You're listening to the Sunday Sermon from Cardington Church of the Nazarene in Cardington, Ohio. If you need prayer, encouragement, or support, please don't hesitate to reach out. As always, our website and email are in the show notes. We serve a great God, and it's my hope that He speaks to you through the sermon today. Today, as we've talked about, as as you've noticed, it is the first Sunday of Advent. It's an exciting time um, in in the church. And it took me most of my life to learn what Advent was. I, I was not aware of it as a child. I, I hadn't heard the word Advent. It wasn't really in the tradition um, that I grew up in. But if you don't know what Advent is, it's basically the time in the Christian calendar um, where we intentionally prepare for the birth of Christ, but also Christ's coming again. So in Advent, the church kind of finds itself as they read in the candle reading like in this kind of tension between times because we have Christ who came as a baby and that hope is already here, but we're waiting for Christ to come back again. As Christians, we believe Christ came, God came to earth as Jesus, then lived and died and resurrected and then ascended back to heaven, but he will come again and make all things new. So we're living in this tension of waiting for that day when Christ's kingdom comes in its fullness, in its completeness. So here we are, the first Sunday of Advent, and Chris and I have been kind of preparing this series for a while. And, and when we decided that I would preach the first Advent message um, of the year, I was excited. I was like, I get to preach about hope. I get to preach about light. This is going to be a great, easy thing to talk about. And I don't know about you guys, but in the Umphreys household, Christmas season has already already come in our house. We have our Christmas tree up. We have our, um, above our fireplace, our mantle, that's the word, our mantle decorated. Uh, we have been doing Christmas things. We went to the zoo lights even already. Christmas has come. We have been excitedly anticipating this season. Um, in fact, a few weeks ago, we put up our tree, kind of early, I know, but we put up our tree while Wade was sleeping. And Wade was taking a nap, and I, I put up the tree, and I strung the lights. I didn't decorate it, but I strung the lights, and he came down. He comes down the stairs, and he comes into our living room, and he just stops, and he stares. And you guys have all probably seen him do this, but he just bends down and says, oh, wow. And he did that for probably five full minutes, and then every single time we walked back into our house that week, he ran into the living room. Oh, wow. And so living with, with an almost two-year-old who's kind of experiencing this Christmas season and its fullness for the first time has given Chris, a lot, Chris and I a lot of excitement for the season. So I was ready to preach about hope. But most of you know that Chris and I follow what is called the lectionary when we preach, especially around big excuse me, Christian holidays. And what the lectionary is, is basically it's pre-assigned scriptures that many denominations exclusively work from, but our denomination, it's up to the, up to the pastor whether they want to. Um, but we, we use this pre-assigned scripture to kind of guide us on what to preach um, in seasons such as Advent. And so I, I Googled, what is the lect- lectionary passage for the first Sunday of Advent? And it was Psalm 80. I hadn't read Psalm 80 in a while, but when I did, I quickly realized that 
my vague outline of an exciting sermon of God's hope for the world and the excitement of Christmas uh, wasn't necessarily going to happen. Because you see, the, the Psalm, Psalm 80 is the Psalm of Lament. And we don't hear the word lament very often anymore, but what the definition is, is a passionate expression of sorrow and grief. So the Psalm 80, instead of being the psalm of excitement and, and bringing in the season of Christmas, is the psalm of anger, of despair, of sorrow and sadness. And not only that, but all these difficult feelings are directed toward God in the psalm. And so when I read this, it took me a while this week. It took me a lot of prayer, a lot of study, a lot of God working in my own heart to understand what he wanted for us this morning. But I do believe that in the midst of this lament that we will find some hope. So Psalm 80, it should be on the screen. It says this, and bear with me, it is a lot. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears, you have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea. It shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord, God Almighty. Make your, shame, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. It's a lot. It's a lot of feeling in that one psalm. And the historical circumstances that prompted this prayer of lament, they're not actually certain. We don't know necessarily um, what prompted this prayer. However, there are some context clues, some things in the passage itself that that maybe give us some answers, one being the references to Joseph along with Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, that may, may suggest that the psalm originated in northern Israel and was their prayer because they were under oppression from Assyria in the 8th century. And so they had concerns for their nation, for their area, and that persisted for a long time until Assyria eventually destroyed the kingdom. But again, that just might be the case. But regardless of the exact historical context of this scripture, um, there's one thing that, that we know for sure, and that is that this, this psalm is appropriate for the people of God who suffer 
at any time. So I'm going to give you a, a quick summary throughout the psalm. Again, there's so much here, and so I would encourage you in your personal time to just dig into this psalm and make, make this real to you this week. But I only have so much time, so I'm going to summarize the psalm and then go in to what we can get from it. From it. Psalm 80, 1 through 7, acknowledges the need for God's saving presence in the church in the time of waiting. It helps us deal with this, this time of the promise is here, but not yet in its fullness. And then in verses 4 through 6, there's this desperate plea for mercy. And, and there's a recognition that we are forgiven only by God's willingness and grace to forgive us. So this psalm is the nation of Israel crying out to God in the midst of crisis. They, they don't necessarily confess their sin in this psalm, but they do recognize their plight. And so they remind God, you have fed them the bread of their tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. They're struggling. They're lamenting. The psalmist describes then the nation of Israel as a vineyard that God has, has planted and then taken care of, intended to. But now it seems that the walls have been broken down, that what God has built up has been broken down. And verse 13 says, Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. What God has built is now destroyed, and the people are lamenting. And in verse 16, your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. The psalmist begs God to remember who he is. He says, remember, you're the shepherd of Israel. And in the Psalms that, that are before Psalm 80, they talk a lot about this imagery of God being the shepherd of Israel. And three times in the Psalm, I don't know if when I was reading it, you thought it sounded a little bit repetitive, but three, kind of three and a half times, it says, restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. The people knew in this Psalm that their only hope was God God's restoration, God's repentance, repentance through God, they pray, revive us, and we will call on your name. And while this prayer is rooted in Israel's covenant relationship with God, we can echo this prayer today. Chris and I uh, often, as you know, try to put our sermon in one sentence so that it's easier for all of us to remember and so the sentence that I believe is for us today is this. Lament is not the opposite of hope. Lament is not the opposite of hope. One of the biggest privileges of being part of a faith community like the one we find ourselves in today is that we know each other. And we know the big things going on in each other's lives for the most part. We may even know the small things going on in each other's lives but I'm also not going to stand up here and pretend I know everything going on in your life because I know there's things that we often don't speak about. But I am confident in saying that just in this year, probably just in this week, every single one of us has been touched by suffering. Whether we know we've had loss of loved ones We've lost jobs, we've lost friends, we've had scary diagnoses, we've had friends with scary diagnoses. 
We've, we've battled with sin. We've seen people in chains of addiction. The people in this room, just now today, the few of us here are walking in deep, sorrowful grief. And that's not to mention what's going on outside of this world, outside of this room, right? There's so much hurt and brokenness in a world that just seems to kind of get a little bit darker as it goes. There is reason for lament. And some of us are in the season of lament that kind of feels pretty void of hope. And I think some, sometimes, and I could be wrong, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but some of us who have grown up in the church feel that the church has maybe taught us that we're not allowed to lament. That because we follow Jesus, because we, we know that he is worthy to be celebrated, he, he came at Christmas, he died on the cross, and we live in victory, which is so very true and so worthy of celebrating. But because of that truth, we think that it's not okay to lament. There's certainly a place for celebration. We wouldn't be sitting here if there wasn't. But the truth I want you to know today is that lament is not the opposite of hope. That darkness and light, lament and hope, have a lot, are a lot more related than we would like to admit. That we can't really appreciate the one without understanding or acknowledging the other. When we wander away from the Lord, when we make the decision to turn away from God, and then we turn back, we can pray this psalm as a plea for restoration. But also, when we are in the depths of despair because of what life has thrown at us, we can remember this prayer of lament. The cry of every longing heart is to be saved. It's to experience the joy of Christ. We read of people in this psalm who are longing for a Messiah through thousands of years, throughout years of silence and oppression. There's a deep lament in the waiting. They're saying, where is God? They're trying to remind God, God, don't you know who you are? You said you were the shepherd. What is God doing? Has God forgotten us? There's deep lament in the waiting, but there's also hope in the lament. There's people who are, are looking and they're longing and they're waiting for a God who answers, who notices their suffering and responds. We see it in the lives of the faithful followers of God, even just in kind of the Christmas story, if you will. We have Anna and Simeon and Mary and Joseph and even the Magi who look up to the sky for direction. They're waiting for a God to answer. We have much to lament in our lives. Many of us are suffering in ways that we can't even put into words. But I want to encourage you today that it's okay to lament. That when we take time to lament, 
and we grieve, it opens us up to the possibility of hoping and trusting in the faithfulness of a compassionate God who is with us. It's in his very name he draws near to us, Emmanuel, God is with us. And God will be present with us even in the lament. Lament moves us into hope and trust in a faithful God. Lament is not the opposite of hope. There is hope in lament because we have a God who sits with us in the deepest, darkest shadows of our lives. So I want to remind you, just be honest with God. God can handle your doubt. God can handle your anger. And God can handle your grief and sorrow. And not only can he handle it, but he wants to sit with you through it. He wants to hold you through it. He doesn't look at you with shame or condemnation because we know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He just wants to love you through it. If you are in a time of lament today, I encourage you, be honest with God. As we see the psalmist be honest with God, and beg God to answer. We read Psalm 91, and 14, verses 14 through 15 says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and protect him. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. I think it's easy in our culture and in our world for us to rush past lament, to, to disregard the psalms, the, the vast amount of psalms that focus on lament, and to rush to the happy parts, especially in this season when we have so much goodness to celebrate. We tend to rush past the season of lament, but if we do that, we miss the beauty of God with us. Sometimes when we're in our darkest moments is when we see God the most clearly. There's hope and lament. Lament helps us remember that we have a God that is so big that he can handle all of human experience. He doesn't just want the good parts, he wants all of it. Lament helps us also remember that we are better and healthier and more complete when we are honest with God and each other. As we lament, often we are open to confession. We are open to repentance, and we are open to the Holy Spirit's life-changing transformation in our hearts and life. As we reflect today on this first Sunday of Advent, let us remember that Christ surely did come to be the light and hope of the world but we also hold so closely to a God who is present with you in your suffering here and now and already. We, we hold close to a God who continues to show up over and over again, no matter what. And we continue to long for a day that Christ shows up again and he dries every tear and he meets our deepest needs and heals our deepest wounds. It's the, truth, it's the truth of scripture. It's the truth of the gospel. Christ makes all things new. 
So there's hope because of that. I'm going to have Chris come up and sing a song. It's called Gyra. And it really just talks about how God loves us here and now, and that God is enough for us. And normally, uh, when, we, when we write a sermon and we preach a sermon, we, we try to end with some practical, um, tangible thing for you to, to leave with, a challenge, a missional challenge for you to go out these doors with. But today, I just want you to know that it's okay to lament. In fact, that's where you may see God the most clearly. And so as Chris sings, I encourage you to one, you can, you can sing with him. You can, you can thank God for being with you. You can, you can thank God for being with you in your darkest moments. You can come to the altar. You can be honest with God and tell him what's really going on in your heart. Or you can just sit and just reflect on the fact that God is with you. He's holding you. There's no shame in sorrow. There's no shame in grief. God is with you. And there's hope in lament. Hey, wasn't holding you up So there's nothing I can do to let you doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. I'm going through a storm, but I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the wind of Mother Rain to call me out. You would cross an ocean. So I wouldn't drown You've never been closer than you are right now You are a gyra You are enough Gyra You are enough And I will be content In every circumstance Jaira, you are enough. And Jaira, you are enough. Jaira, you are enough. And I will be content in every circumstance. You are Jaira, you are enough.
grateful for the hope of your presence. So grateful that lament is not the opposite of hope, that even in our grief, in our sorrow, in our deep, darkest moments, God, that you are with us and that you bring hope into the darkness. God, we, we ask that as, as we continue to prepare for Christmas, and for celebration. God, that, that we would take the time to lament. Whether, whether we're lamenting because of our own sin or people who have sinned against us or we're lamenting because of our life circumstances and, and brokenness and despair and loss is all around us, God, we ask for your very real and tangible presence to be with us. God, help us see you more clearly than we ever have before. Help us know that we are certainly loved as we are right now and that you can handle our honesty. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For you have already set us free by your spirit. God, we are so thankful for the season of remembrance. We're so thankful for, for scripture, for Psalms that remind us that it is okay to grieve. And not only is it okay, but it is necessary, it is beautiful. God, so we ask as we leave this place that, that you would be so very real to us, that your spirit would continue to transform us day by day. And that as we recognize our need for a savior, that we would hear your answer and your response of love. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us and for meeting us here. In your name, amen. Go today knowing that lament is not the opposite of hope, and we serve a God who is Emmanuel, who is with us. You are dismissed.